You're listening to an audio sermon from Hope Bible Church Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit hopekelowna.ca. And God, one day every knee will bow. And for those who are redeemed, those who are in Christ, it will be what we have been describing. And this song doesn't even come anywhere close to describing fully what it will be like. We will be more alive. We will be more aware. We will be so in love with Jesus, death defeated, sin defeated, and in eternity with you. And we're thankful that even now today we get a taste of that kingdom life. We get a taste of what it is. We're in the kingdom. We're children of the kingdom if we're in Christ. But it's that already but not yet. And God, would you help us to to, to live out a life that brings glory and honor to you? God, would we live through your word today? Would we see through your word? Would we be taught through your word by your spirit today uh, how we can live in a, a, a life and in circumstances in a world that is so messed up and yet experience your truth, your glory, your power, your victory? And all God's people said... Amen. Let's get to it. Have a seat. Open up your Bibles. And we are going to get into God's Word. Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk, that, that wonderful prophet in the Old Testament. And it was a joy um, to be in live stream and worshiping with you there this morning. And then jump over here and, and uh, catch the tail end of the last song with you here. Ushers are coming forward with Bibles. We want a copy of God's Word in everyone's hand because you just cannot see this or, he- or you just can't hear it and, and, and hear me speak it. It's important you see it. And so whether it's on your, in your own Bible, tablets, or uh, whatever form of Bible you have, uh, if you don't have a copy of God's Word, raise your hand, they'll give you one. And if you don't have one at home, take that home with you. God's Word is mighty, it is powerful, it is, it is food for the soul, it is strength for the weak, it is what we are excited about and what we want to proclaim here at Hope Bible Church, amen? And so the ushers have that for you and um, encourage you to write down some of the things we're talking about here today to do some further self-study this next week as well. So if we, we kind of get into this, it's kind of like a little mini-series that we're in here, and so as mini-series often starts when there's a new episode, it starts with previously in Habakkuk, and so here we are today, previously in Habakkuk, we see a man, a prophet of God, who is rattled by what is going on with his, with his nation, with the people of God. God's people were no longer following the, the God of the Bible. They weren't following the ways of God. And so Habakkuk is calling out to God, like, what gives? What's going on with this? This doesn't make sense. God, would you do something about this? Would you come down? Would you, I mean, you've worked in the past before. Would you do something about your people? How about in the days of Josiah, just previous to this, when the revival of the people had strayed so far, and then Josiah, the king, comes, and he's a godly king. Raise up another godly king to turn our hearts back to you, God. God, how can you let this happen? Don't, don't let this happen again, God. Do something, and still in chapter 1, God answers the prophet and says, I am doing something. I'm actually raising up the Babylonians this mighty nation, to come and discipline and judge my people. And now Habakkuk is, he, he, I mean, in Habakkuk's eyes, now God, you're doing way too much. I wanted you to do something, but I mean, this is like, this is way too much. And I'm raising them up. He, and, and Habakkuk is saying, well, we might be a mess as a nation, but, but I mean, the Babylonians, they are far worse. And so Habakkuk can't figure out God. He can't figure out what God is doing, what God has allowed, and he's not liking and cannot figure out what God is about to do. Have you ever been there? Have you been there in your life? That kind of, God, how could you? God, why? God, how? 
How could you let this happen? Have you ever asked those questions of God? I'm sure we all have. And maybe you're in one of those periods of questioning even right now. And so in Habakkuk chapter 2, we see that Habakkuk pulls away. He gets away from the distractions and from, he, he, from, from, from everything that is kind of just pulling at him. And he goes to a watchtower. He gets away. He gets up high. He gets someplace where he can just go and be alone. And he can be alone with God. And it's in that place. God's word says that when we seek him, we will find him. And so oftentimes God is so silent and God does not speak to us today because we're not taking that time to seek after him. Pulling away from the distractions of life and spending time with God. And we'll talk a little more about that, how we can do that in a practical way, even in our own lives today. And it was there in the watchtower as he got alone that God met him. And God gave him insight. He gave him an oracle. He gave him a vision of what was going to happen to the future of the nation and what would happen to the Babylonians. And God gave him insight. God gave him vision into how justice would prevail within Israel and also with the Babylonians. And something happened there in Habakkuk's life as he was there in the watchtower. His circumstances did not change. The forecast of what was coming did not get altered. His future didn't look any brighter, but Habakkuk changed. There was a change that took place in his life, in his heart. And yet, as we move into chapter 3, we see how he goes from gloom to glory. We see how God meets him and how things change in his mind and in his thinking. His outlook starts to change and it grows stronger and his faith grows deeper. And he, we see him going from disillusionment with God to faithful trust in God. From doubt to a deeper relationship. He goes from seeing and focusing on just the horizontal and everything that's happening around him. And he gets vertical and he gets to see a little bit from God's perspective. And you know, for each one of us here today, and I don't care who you are, because this is true for each one of us. One of these three things is happening to you right now. Either you are in, coming out of, or heading into a season of confusion or trial or suffering or heartache. You're heading into the valley. You're heading into something that all of a sudden shakes you out of the routine. Something that, that comes or, or, or that causes our hopes and our dreams to suddenly be smashed. It alters our lives and it, it, all of a sudden our life is not going as planned whether that is a breakup or a job loss or a health diagnosis or a foreclosure or an accident or, or a rejection letter or the death of a loved one or a dear friend or a mental battle and, and struggle that you're having. Some of these things that happen just boom, within an instant, within a phone call, within a conversation, within a text message. And sometimes it's a slow and difficult descent into the valley that that valley feels like it is the valley of death or the valley of just great discouragement. And how can we live life now with what's coming or what we're in the midst of? How do we face this new reality that all of a sudden we're looking at, this new normal? Does it mean that we just have to kind of sloth our way through the rest of our lives? Or can we experience God's presence, God's power, God's glory? And so, when one is in the midst of this, it just seems that any sort of good, any so, sort of hope, just seems so hard, so impossible. So how do we go from gloom to glory? 
How do you keep the waves of fear or anxiety or discouragement from just overpowering you? How do you get through those, at times, what it seems like sleepless nights? How do we keep from this problem, this discouragement, this gloom from just taking over and stealing and robbing us of our joy and our peace? How do we keep from becoming negative and bitter and cynical and critical? How do we, like Habakkuk, get to the place of a grander vision? How do we get from gloom to glory? How can we have peace in the midst of the storm? How can we worship and experience, experience the joy that God offers us, joy in his presence while we are waiting? It's not just on the other side when things clear, the storm clouds rise, go away, that all of a sudden then we can worship and praise God. And for Habakkuk and ultimately for us, because God wor God's word applies to us today, amen? It's not just for some old godly saint and a prophet of God. It is for us today. It is relevant. It, it, it speaks to us. It gives us hope and it guides us into all truth. The only way that this can happen is the way that it happened for Habakkuk. And the only way that that's going to happen is through seeking God in prayer. Seeking him in a deepening relationship not just by bettering your life and developing some healthy habits and doing this and not doing this. Those, those can be all helpful, but it comes from seeking hard after God. That's why we have in our second pillar in live stream, you see this, you can look to your right right now, that third pillar in the live stream, and I think it's even somewhere listed in here where, where we talk about prayer. We talk about unceasing prayer. That's why our pillar is believing firmly in the power of prayer. Because without prayer, our lives will shrivel up. And just the, even as I was going over this uh, part of this, this sermon, right at this point the, uh, this morning, I got a text message from one of the men in the church, and, and he reminded me, and he reminded us that prayer does, it, it does not equip us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. And yet so oftentimes we get by with very little prayer in our lives, don't we? Maybe prayer for you, if you were to be totally honest, you would say it's pretty much non-existent. Or prayer can simply just, well, it's existent, but it's just a routine. It's like a checklist. It's a daily practice. And, and, and yes, that's good, but it's not relationship. It's not life. It's not personal. And I know most of us right now, we're just starting, yeah, I know, I know I should pray more. Wish I could pray more. Wish I had more time. The thing is, you do have the time. We all have the same amount of time in the course of the week. It's how you use your time. Give up something on Netflix. Give up something on TV programming, a hobby, part of our work, whatever it is. We have time. We all have the same amount of time in the course of a week. And yes, we're busy, but we need to make this a priority. You see, when it comes to prayer, you can have that regular routine, but no relationship. And let's face it. This can be true in my own life. I'm sure it can be true in your own life as well, is that our prayer oftentimes focuses on three things, doesn't it? On our health or the health of those around us, on our wealth, God's blessing and provision in our lives, whether that's in our finances or job or promotions or whatever it would be. So our health, our wealth, and our safety. Protect us. Protect others from harm and danger. And those are good things to be praying for. We are to pray in all things, and, and, and we are to bring our burdens to God. And so those are great things to, to, to bring. 
Our kids were out visiting this, this past week, and, and our daughter and her um, friend boy, uh, still in denial, and uh, were, were planning to leave yesterday, and, and uh, just before they left, they're like, we want a bright and early start. Well, for teenagers, that's 9 o'clock. And so, uh, actually, she did want to leave a little bit earlier, but for her mother's sake, I said, it should be 9 o'clock so your mom can sleep in a little bit. Anyways, um, she was getting ready to leave with... And, and, and denial, and, and, and so anyways, I go on Drive BC, as a good father should, and I'm checking, and all of a sudden, this appeared on the route that they're on. You see that picture there? And I'm glad we didn't blow it up more. It's horrific. It's the semi that is caught on fire, and now the highway is shut down. And all of a sudden, you start looking, and it's snowing, and you look, keep looking on, and they, they ended up disabling that camera. It's still disabled, because even now this morning, our son and nephew are driving that route. They left early this morning before the snow started, and they snapped a picture as they were going by, and it's still, a, still smoldering. And, and you see that, and as a parent, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. And, and, and your prayer life increases, doesn't it, when you see things like that? And, and, and that's good. We, we pray for our health, our wealth, and our safety. But just because we pray for that, or we all of a sudden find ourselves in in a deep crisis and we start praying more than we ever did before and calling out to God, it doesn't mean that we have a deepening relationship with God. It's still pretty one-sided. And prayer is so much more than just making requests to God. It's seeking, it's more than just seeking the hand of God, just God, give me richly from your hand, your great provisions, you are the God of all things. But prayer is seeking the face and the heart of God. And that's where relationship, that's where life, that's where power, that's where we move from gloom to glory. Prayer is is where we meet with God and he meets with us. And it's through this prayer that we change. It's where God changes us. It's where we move from despair to restful trust. From confusion to confidence that God is in control. It's about coming into the presence of God, seeking the face of God and not just only the hand of God. You see, so oftentimes we want resolution to our problems and to our situation. We want the victory and God says, I want to give you relationship. I want to give you me. We want God to get rid of our problems, and a God wants us to just get into his presence. And so today, starting in chapter 3, we see a change that happened in Habakkuk because he was in the presence of God. And he goes from gloom to glory. Let's look at at verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, this is chapter 3, verse 1. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigunoth. Now, that's a, a tough word, and so when there's a tough word in Scripture, you just say it's strong, fast, and confident, and then no one just, they think, ooh, he knows what it is. You have no clue, you just say it's Shigunoth. And, and the thing about Shigunoth is that no one really knows what it means fully. Um, some, you know, there, there's some, um, you know, differing opinions on, on, on that, but some believe it to be a musical style. It's a song. So this becomes a song that Habakkuk writes, and it, it, it believe, it's believed that it was a song that he sung, and, and, and I was thinking this week um, of making a rap song uh, with it, but then I realized I don't really know how to do that, and I just can't even keep a beat, so that would just be painful for each one of you, you know, and I kind of thought, okay, I don't know how they sung it, but man, did, it, did he ever sing of strength here, as we're going to see, we're gonna, it, it sings of God's power, and so it's believed to be a song, or a type of song that involves deep, deep emotion, and so Habakkuk's prayer 
This time with God results in this song or this psalm that we see, and it's written down, and it becomes a song that the faithful would sing. So let's learn how we too can, like Habakkuk, move from glory to gloom. Or I mean from gloom to glory, I better say that right. The first thing we see here is the plea of the prophet. And it starts with, the plea of the prophet starts with a right understanding of God. And, and across this, encourage you to just write across this point that, that you have, across point one, write the word desperation. Write the word desperation across there because the plea of the prophet, a right understanding of God, and it involves a desperate heart, a desperate and a seeking heart. And we see this here. Habakkuk knows that he is powerless. And he knows unless God comes through, the nation is done. He cannot go and turn the hearts of the people back towards God. He alone cannot go and stand against the Babylonians. And so there's a desperation here. And so in meeting with God at this watchtower, Habakkuk, he, he, he starts to get the right view of God. He gets a vertical reorientation. Rather than just seeing the horizontal around him, he gets the vertical going. And something takes place in his heart. He no longer sees things from the ground level, but he sees it from a heavenly perspective. And look again what it says as we continue on here. It says, I have heard the report of you, O Lord, and of your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. So there's this desperate plea. And, and, and look at that again. I have heard the report of you. In other words, he's saying, I've heard what's coming. You told me in chapter two. You told me through that vision, through that oracle of what's going to be happening. And he says, oh, Lord, do I fear. I do fear you. You are holy. You are awesome. He, this is a reverent respect for God. And he's basically saying here, I understand you are God and I am not. He's humbling himself before God. And he says, in the midst of the years, then, we see, revive it. With all that's going to happen, he's saying, God, may your will be done. But God, and this is such a plea here, this is so important, underline it in your Bibles, it says, in your wrath, remember mercy. God, with all that's coming, would you be merciful to me? In your wrath and what's coming, would you be merciful to me and to all those who live by faith? After all, his, his declaration was that the just will live by faith. Oh God, help us as your people to live by faith. Help that faithful remnant of people to trust you no matter what. And so God, in your wrath, remember mercy. Now, in church today, we oftentimes don't like to focus much about the wrath of God. But you know what? The word of God speaks much about the wrath of God the judgment of God, a lot. You see, it also speaks, and we like to focus on the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, and those are wonderful, and, 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 and yet we can't fully understand or comprehend them unless we understand the wrath of God. And today we are told that talking about sin, don't tell people they're sinners, wrath, hell, that's not gonna build you a big church. Well, that very well could be true. But here at Hope Bible Church, we're not interested in building a big church, building a big attendance. We're, we're here to build a people, to be a people of God, a people who are eternal, people who are preparing and have been prepared for heaven to escape the wrath of God. That's what we're about. 
Now please listen carefully because this is so important, you can't miss this. If we don't uphold the holiness of God and the subsequent wrath of God that comes as a result of our unholiness, as a result of our sin, when it comes to sharing the gospel, if we're not speaking and sharing about, the, and, and, and a person understands the holiness and the holy nature of God, if they don't understand it, if they just understand that God is a God of love, there's a great concern that we can be sharing or promoting or proselytizing uh, another gospel. It might save people for a life of good works, a certain lifestyle, a churchy lifestyle, and do good and, and, and don't do bad and, and, and try to honor the big guy upstairs. He's more than just a big guy upstairs. He is a holy God. We don't want to see people saved to a feel-good gospel that I am saved and I am forgiven and not understand what's truly at stake. We want to see people saved to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And it's vital that we understand and come to grips with the holiness of God. That, that we see our sin as more than just a whoops. <laughs> yeah, whoopsie-daisy, <laughs> did it again. You know, or, or just an, it was just an accident, or it was just a mistake, or huh, it was just a lapse in judgment. Well, it could be all of that. But first and foremost, our sin, even the smallest little area of sin, is a violation against the holy God. And David wrote in his great confession in Psalm 51, go home and read that this week, as he wrote in, in there as he's confessing his sin before God, as he is outed about the sin he was trying to hide and, 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 and conceal from others. And he ends up declaring, he says, against you, God, you only. And he's saying, you primarily, my sin is first and foremost against you, God. It's not against the people I've let down. It's not against the people I've hurt. It is, but primarily, it is mainly, it is first and foremost against you, God. And Paul wrote in Romans 1.18, he says, that because of, because of ungodliness and unrighteousness, the wrath of God is on all men. Sin must be punished. He's a holy God. And, and in Romans 6.23, it says, the wages of sin is death. But it goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life. Habakkuk is saying here, oh God, as you deal with the injustice of your people and as you discipline and chastise them, and God, as you deal even with the Babylonians, and God, oh, as you deal with me and my areas of sin, my areas of weakness and failure, oh God, in your wrath, please remember mercy. And God has a history all throughout of remembering mercy and coming and visiting his people, giving an opportunity for his children, his people to respond in faith towards him. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, and, and some of our mixed groups went through a study in the book of Ephesians, and this would come back to mind in Ephesians 2 verse 4, where, where, where Paul declares, but God, who is rich in mercy, makes us alive through Christ, cancels the sin and the wrath that was coming upon us, Canceling that, that sin code on us. The power of sin is broken and the wrath of God is absorbed in his son, Jesus, when he died on the cross. And today, because of Jesus, God in the flesh, humbling himself, coming to this earth, entering into human history, 
living a perfect life, dying a substitutionary death on the cross. And there, as he died, he received the wrath that was coming our way. He became the sin of man. He became unrighteousness so we could have his righteousness so that we can be forgiven. He came as the once for all sacrifice for sin and then he rose in victory, conquering sin and death. And our response to this good news that leads us to repent and to live a life of faith, placing our hope and our trust in Jesus. It involves turning away from our sin. It's not just praying some prayer and then going on and living the rest of our life. It's about repenting, meaning we turn from sin and we desire to live an obedient life, live in obedience to God's word. And when God's word speaks, when we know what God's word says, we desire to obey it, we desire to follow it. And history tells us that God answered that prayer of Habakkuk that he prayed, oh God, in your wrath, remember mercy. Because yes, the Babylonians did come, history tells us, and they did in a series of raids, awful and terrible things. They carried away Israel, many into exile, but God did not destroy the Israelites. Israel came back. A remnant lived and remained And they came back 70 years later. And the Babylonians were destroyed. Israel as a nation continues on today. Israel as a people continues on today. The Babylonians, they're in a museum somewhere. And we are grafted into his family. as the body of Christ today. In wrath, God did remember mercy for Habakkuk. And he remembers those who live by faith. And it is the same today to whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved and we escape his wrath and we receive his mercy. Amen? Oh, my. Livestream, I'll bet you you were louder than they were in here. Let me say that again. And the same happens for us today that those who place their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ escape the wrath of God and receive his mercy. Amen? Amen? There we go. All right. I think live stream still beat them in here, I'm sure. Uh, I know they have some real loud mouths in there. Um, Oh, sorry. I guess they can hear everything, right? Anyways, this was the cry of Habakkuk, though. And it is the cry for every follower of Christ today. Oh, God, in your wrath, please remember mercy. And moving from gloom to glory involves this desperate plea to God a humbling of ourselves. God, I cannot, but, God, but because of Jesus, I can. And it's seen and understanding and placing God in his rightful place and us in our rightful place at the foot of the cross. The second thing we see here from the prophet is the prayer of the prophet. See, the plea of the prophet. Now we see the prayer of the prophet as he meditates on God's glory, on God's faithfulness, on God's deliverance and God's power. And and across this, write the word recollection. All right, write the word recollection across this one. And this will be important um, even next week. Now, much of Habakkuk chapter 3 here is is a prayer and and a song of him recalling, recollecting, meditating on God's mighty works, on what he has done. 
And so he meditates here. Now, sadly, because of Eastern mysticism and, and uh, meditating gets kind of a bad rap today, and because of even some bad teaching in churches today, the word meditation is greatly confused, misunderstood, and so oftentimes avoided, and we've got to get back to meditating. We've got to be meditating people. God's word speaks very much about meditation. Today, however, and there's a difference between what I'm talking about and what we see so much in our world. Today, meditation exercises is about emptying the mind. They teach, they're teaching your kids in school this, public and Christian. I know that for sure. They'll call it mindfulness. They won't call it meditation, but it's often called mindfulness. And it's even been popularized in a New Age Christian book called Jesus Calling, where the author tells of her experiences personally and encourages others to allow your mind to go blank, and at which point you supposedly receive messages from God. Loved ones, you should never, ever empty your mind, never come to that place of mm, whatever, however you hum, however you sit, however you try to do, or people try to get you to go there. Don't do it. You empty your mind, you don't know what's coming in. We are to fill our minds. We are to meditate, not by emptying our minds, but meditating by filling our minds on the Word of God, on the person of Jesus Christ, on the glorious gospel, on what He has done in us and through us and for us. You see, when it comes to God's Word, it's not just about intellectualizing it, and it's about internalizing it. And it comes through meditating on his word. I like how, how one pastor put it, and this sits really well with me. Um, meditation is to the soul what marination is to meat. Isn't that good? I love it. And, 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 and if you're not a meat person, you just may have to turn away just for a few moments, all right? Because there's a picture going up on the screen right now. Get that picture up there. There we go. We got some meat. Not only do we have some, some meat in the picture, but we got some, some meat marinating here. And uh, it, it's been going since 5 p.m. last night. And there's more where this came from. And, um, and, and, and it's the, the Embry special marinating sauce, and you can get that recipe from them. And tonight... As part of our little chili thing, if somebody can bring one of those like little par portable barbecues, bring it. We're going to feast this up and we'll share it. We'll have little shish kebabs to go with our chili or something, all right? And, 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 and so we, we have this meat. So, so, so meditation is to the soul what marination is to meat. Now take that off because that, you know, I don't want to, you know, just either, you know, like wives turn to your husband and say, close your mouth, you're drooling. You know, or, um, you know, just, just we need to, to press on with this. But the meat soaks up the flavor of the marinade. And, 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 but, but if you just put the meat in the marinade for like a few moments, it's not going to have any effect. But it's over the hours. It's over a few hours. It's since 5 p.m. last night and 5.30 tonight. The same thing happens when we take and we meditate marinate on the Word of God, taking God's truths into our hearts, not just knowing the Word, but it's 
spiritually tasting the word. It's delighting in the word. It's praising him through the word. It's thinking of the word. It's, it's thinking and it's thanking God for what he's showing us in the word. It's drawing strength from his word, from scripture, letting it revive and strengthen and nourish. I like how, how one author put it. He said, it's taking God's truth down into our heart until it catches fire and melts and shapes our reactions to God. Melts and shapes our reactions to God, to ourselves, in pointing out where we're going wrong or what we're doing right, and thank the Lord for that. And it also helps to shape our reactions to the world around us. The sad reality and the sad fact is that many of God's children are not reading the word of God. Or we're not reading deeply from the word a day, uh, word of God. Oftentimes it's a verse a day, keep the doctor away. That, that, that may work in a nursery rhyme for an apple, but it doesn't work when it comes to God's word. We need to be in the word of God more than just a verse a day. We have devotional books and devotional books are good but it's still not the word of God. We have great preaching and some of you podcast sermons like crazy and that's good, but it's still not the full-on word of God. Psalm 19 verse seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Those books that have been written aren't gonna be perfect. Those sermons aren't gonna be perfect necessarily. But the law of the Lord, the word of God is perfect. And what does it say in Psalm 19 seven? Reviving giving life to the soul. God's word is the only perfect thing on this earth. And it's truths applied and lived out in us take us to the kingdom of God. Here and what is yet to come. One of the things that I'm a huge proponent of and I encourage people to do is to write out God's word. This started for me about 20 years ago. Writing out significant verses Sometimes I have a plan that, that, that sends me in this. I have some books that, and, and just verses that kind of go along certain themes. And sometimes it is just through my, my reading of the word that, that, that on a daily basis I love to just take and write out the word of God or I'll put it into my phone and it is a way that then I can continue to keep going back over and over again. In fact, there's, there's a, a young father in, in our church this week just spending some time with him, and, and he's starting to write out the Word of God in a journal. He brought it by this week, and, 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 and he's written out verses for, for a week, and, and, and I said, just keep reading those words, keep reading those truths, let these, the Word of God dwell richly, allow the Word of God to, to marinate in your heart and in your life, reading, reflecting, recollecting what God has done. And that is what Habakkuk is basically doing in the watchtower. He's, he's meditating and, and remembering the mighty works of God. And he writes it as a song. So we're going to read that in a moment. Before we get there, I have one more explanation to give you. This is a song. This is a song of prayer, a song of praise. But you'll notice in this that three times the word Selah is mentioned. And it's like, what is it there? Why, what's that about? And, and, and that word Selah is found in two books of the Bible. It's found in the book of Psalms. It's mentioned 71 times in the book of Psalms and three times in, in, in chapter three here in Habakkuk. That's all it's used in scripture. Now, again, there's some debate on the exact meaning of this word, but most agree that it represents a pause, a meaningful pause and a break 
to allow for reflection, to think deeply on, on what has just been said. And it's like, just stop for a moment, just soak it in, just think about that. Today, it might be the modern day version of a mic drop, right? Like where, where we hear that oftentimes today. And so today, as we read that, I'm just going to pause as we reflect on, on this rich truth, these rich truths from God's word. So let's pick it up in verse two again. I'm going to repeat that because it all flows together. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. Oh Lord, do I fear in the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Taman and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. So he's talking about wrath and he says, oh God, in your wrath, remember mercy. And then he remembers when God came. When God came to see his people, to, to, to care for his people, to oversee, to, as he came on Mount Sinai and gave them the Ten Commandments and God's presence was there. And so right after the gates, he brings us to that point of deep reflection, but God came, but God came. Let's continue. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand and there he veiled his power. Again, speaking of Mount Sinai. Before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows, Selah. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw and you writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped. At the flash of your glittering spear, you marched through the earth in fury. The threshold, you threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Selah. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of the warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horse, the surging of mighty waters. And so here in these verses, Habakkuk, there's, there's so much imagery and, 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 and so much that he's speaking on, but he's recounting, he's meditating on the mighty works of God from verses three and four in Mount Sinai when, when Moses received the Ten Commandments and the gl glory of God was on display and they had to veil, the, the veil was in front, they couldn't see, Moses could not go right into the full presence of God. And yet when he came down, his face radiated from the glory of God. In verse five, it talks about the plagues in, in Egypt, when, when God, again, was faithful in delivering his people. He describes God's mighty acts and God's mighty power in creation over the valleys, the hills, and the mountains. And he's saying, God is so big and everything else is so small. 
In verse 10, we see an inference to the Red Sea when God split the waters and his people walked on dry ground. In verse 11, we see how God made the sun and the moon stand still. So in Joshua chapter 10, you can read about this, that Israel could defeat the Amorites. How God was with his people and God would pull off the greatest miracles in order to see that happen. And so Habakkuk is recounting these things that have happened in his past or in in the past. Times when hope seems hard, seemed hard for God's people, for God's faithful servants, how God came through. And all of this is a recital and it's a recounting and it's just building and then it pauses because it's just like, wow, that's what he's done. And it's causing him to say, my God is eternal, my God is righteous, he is strong, he, he cannot stand sin. He's got to and he's going to punish it. But my God never does wrong. He always does only what is right. My God is good and extends mercy to all who call out and live by faith. And this is how Habakkuk's perspective changes from gloom to glory. And next week, Lord willing, we will see the praise of the prophet. We'll see the desperation, the recollection, and then the celebration, the declaration that's for next week. Look at verse 16 as we bring this to an end here this morning. It says, I hear and my body trembles, my lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. I love how honest God's word is here. Because he knows He's had this experience with God. He knows what is coming. And he's filled with strength and victory and faith. But it's so honest. But he says, but I'm also scared. I'm scared. Even though he was close to God, he was still trembling at the thought of what was going to happen. And yet he declares, but I'm going to wait. I will take comfort that When the day of trouble comes, there will be strength for that day. And for the next day, there will be strength for that day. This is what it means to live and walk by faith. This is what it means to live and walk by faith in a relationship with God. And as we close here this morning, I need to make it practical. How do we live what we're learning here? How do we live what we're learning from from the prophet and how do we live what we're learning from the word of God? And first thing is how important God's word is. It's vital. We need to be people of the word. Not just a verse a day, but taking and spending quality time with God in the word of God, reading. Not just a checklist of just, yeah, I did my chapters. That's good, that's good. But allow God, don't race through it. At times, allow yourself to get stuck on a verse and, and read it and ponder it and study it. Here are some ways I encourage you to write this down that may help you in reading and meditating on God's word. Practical, practical, but you know what? A lot of times we need it because we're like, I don't even know what to do when it comes to reading God's word and how to do this. Well, here's some practical ways. Number one, when it comes to reading and meditating on God's word, we ask ourselves when we read a passage, what is this passage teaching me? In other words, what is God saying? What does this passage reveal about God, about his character, about what he has done? What what is it teaching? Is it telling me to do something? Is it telling me not to do something? 
What is it telling me, teaching me about God, his nature? Number two, how does this passage lead me to thank God? When I'm reading the word of God and it causes us to look back and say, look at what he's done. God, I thank you. I praise you. How does this passage lead me to give God thanks? Thirdly, how does this passage let me, lead me to repent? To change my attitudes or my actions, my thinking that, that I've got to make some changes and I need to ask God to forgive me because I see what God's word says and I see how I'm living. I need to repent and that means not just I'm sorry. It means I want to change. I want to make a, a, a 180, not just repent and do a 360 and keep going the way that we're going. And then fourthly, how does this passage prompt me to ask God for things? What can I ask God for in light of this according to his will? See, it's not how much or how long you read the word of God. It's what we're allowing God's word to get into our lives. So the importance of God's word. But then it's also so important, like Habakkuk, to take time to recount and to reflect and to recollect all the things that God has done for us. We too, we see that in scripture. We remember God's faithfulness in the past. But many of you, you have a story, a history do you have a spiritual scrapbook in your mind or maybe it's in photos or maybe it's you know, in a journal of, of, of the things that God has done? And one of the study Bibles that I use at home, I write in the margins about when I've read that passage and, and, and the crossroads or the discouragement or the valley or the victory that I was in. And when I go to read it again or I go looking at those pages, I'm like, look at what he's done in the past. Do you have a spiritual scrapbook of what God has been doing in your life? Can you recount God's working through hardships and trials and difficulties? Recounting even our salvation story, how God has saved us, causing us to thank him again and again for his son, that his son came to die, to redeem us. And when we do that, we remember how faithful God has been to us. And it starts changing the way we're thinking. And it's so important to even take and share this with others. In fact, tonight in our prayer time, we're going to have a great family prayer. And I encourage you to come. Bring your families. We're going to spend time together living out what we've been learning here today in a practical way. And some of you need to reboot your prayer life. And tonight is a great way to do it. But it's also important that we share with others to share the God at work stories in our lives. A few weeks ago, a, a friend who was so instrumental, he's in Ontario by the name of John, sent me this picture, and it was a reminder of the early days. This was in April, six months before we launched as a church, and this was our core team. And this was the night before our first vision night where we had prayed and we invited and we were hoping that God would bring people to hear the story of what we were trusting and asking God to do in planting a church and it was just, and he sent this to me, and, and I look back and I'm thinking, this group planted a church, was instrumental in faith, in trusting God, in sacrifice. What an unlikely group of characters. It really is. And you folks who are now a part of things here, what an unlikely group of characters. That God meshes and brings people together. And this, this picture has constituted so many stories 
in the last number of weeks of recalling. I've sent this picture to others. Last week when I was visiting with Carol, I, I showed her this picture and we got talking about God's faithfulness. And, and, and that night God was faithful. If we go to the next one, here's, here's the people that ended up coming that night to hear. And some of you were there. That was your first exposure to our church. And, and now you're here and you're a part of the work. And you look back and you recount the God stories in our life, how he saved us, how he's delivered us, how he has seen us through. And God has been so faithful. And God has le leads his people, but it's so important that we recollect, we remember his works through the word of God, but also in our own lives. He's been faithful in the past. He's going to be faithful in the future, amen? And so we meditate on the word of God. We recount all that he has done for us and in us and through us. That's how we move from, from gloom to glory. And next week, part two, is how we praise God in the midst of it. We affirm His working in His ways. And we say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. We're going to practice that now as the band comes and as we worship the Lord. Let's pray together. And so God, even now, we learn from this faithful servant of yours how all of a sudden things changed. He went from the prophet with so many questions and being so confused and in a gloomy state of affairs to a prophet who was experiencing your glory and your presence. And God, I pray for each person here, whether they are in a gloomy state right now in their lives, in relationships, in any part of their lives, God. Your life, your power applies. Your life, your power brings hope. And God, I pray that even now as even we take these encouragements that we've heard, that we'd be men and women, teenagers of your word, we would be ones who would recollect and take times to remember God's faithfulness and all that God has done throughout history and even in our own lives. Oh, would the God stories be flowing rich and full this next week. And God, would we be a praising people, praising you by faith. Even now, God, would we praise you that, that whatever it is that we're facing, we knowing that, knowing that you are with us, and God, if there are those who have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that this would be the day. That after the service, they would go and they would talk to the prayer partners. That they would talk to someone who they know is a follower of your Christ. They would a follower of Christ, and they would escape the wrath that is coming their way. That your word speaks about and experience your mercy. And even for your children who have experienced your mercy and your grace, your mercies are new every morning and we need it because great is your faithfulness, God. And so meet us even now as we worship you by faith. We